So you think your job's stressful and high stakes? Well, imagine if every one of your shifts started and ended on the deck of an aircraft carrier. Today, we're going to be talking to the U.S. Navy's first female F-14 Tomcat fighter pilot, Carrie Lorenz, the author of the book, Fearless Leadership. The Blanchard Leadership Podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. You know, we have some really fun guests from time to time and some really cool guests, but this is the first one that I can actually say I'm pretty giddy about. This is a really fun conversation with the United States Navy's first female F-14 Tomcat fighter pilot, Carrie Lorenz, the author of the book, Fearless Leadership. Carrie, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, we're going to dig into all the principles of, of high-performance lessons from the flight deck on your book, Fearless Leadership. But I, I want to talk to you. There's some responsibility there, isn't there? You know, when you go and you meet with whether it's kids or other groups or in corporate settings, to be the first of anything, it's, it's, that's got to be gotta very, very daunting, but it's also very important. Well, you know what? I guess I never really thought of it in in that way. But yes, I do take I do take uh, my brand ambassadorship, if you will, very very seriously. I, I like to say I don't take myself too seriously, but I take my job very seriously, and I'm keenly aware of the fact that I stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before me. So I try to be very respectful of that, as well as well as very humble in my position. Yeah, you know, we talk about like high stakes uh, job assignments. We talk about, you know, stressful jobs. But I mean, for you, I mean, your mission on a daily basis, you know, started and ended on, on a flight deck of, a, of an aircraft carrier. So, uh, you know, when you think about what you can bring to the table to let people know about, you know, leadership and, and, and showing up at the right time, what, you know, how does that transition happen for you? You know, because I imagine, you know, with the, the, the training of the U.S. Navy, it, you get there. But what, you know, as you go through that process, how, how much do you think this can be taught to other people who don't have the, the ability to, to uh, ha- have the training that you have behind it? Well, I think there are definitely some really, really tangible takeaways. Those of us who have been through that training or, or had the privilege of going through it, if you take the time to reflect upon it, uh, there are some really solid takeaways that I think anybody can leverage. And it does not take 
being in a cockpit at Mach 2 flying around with your hair on fire to do that. Um, but from a level set perspective, definitely landing uh, a fighter jet on an aircraft carrier, particularly at night, uh, is one of the most challenging and one of the most harrowing things that is asked of any aviator. So trying to figure out how do you, through that training and everything that is that you are called upon in the cockpit alone, outside of your leadership responsibilities, just trying to figure out how do you how do you uh, really get your arms around and deal with that tension, the anxiety, the actual fear that can come about from simply being in that environment. And then how do you get to a position mindset wise that you're able to go back into those scary situations or really challenging situations over and over again? And, and there is training involved in that, and it takes time uh, and application, but I think there are some, some real tangibles that other people can take away and leverage as well. Yeah, and, and your, your book is called Fearless Leadership, as I, as I shared before. What is your def- definition of what does that mean to you? What is fearless leadership? So fearless leadership isn't really just about not feeling any fear. It's about having that ability to uh, really be uncomfortable and move through that fear anyway. So, you know, what does that look like? Whether you're having that ability to work through fear on an individual level or as a teammate is no matter the situation, it's the number one way that you can really guarantee or ensure that you are able to show up and be the best leader that you can be. And it's about building your ability to work through fear. The way I broke that down uh, in my book is is in six parts, that you have the individual fundamentals of fearless leadership, so courage, uh, tenacity, and working always, always with integrity. But then from a servant leadership perspective, if you will, the only way we can force multiply that skill set is by getting other people to take action. So how do you set that vision? How do you develop a culture so that you can be successful, is able to go forward faster. Uh, And then what does that look like? What are the processes involved in a really complex environment, uh, an environment that is constantly changing and always challenging? And then what do you do? How do you build resiliency within your team? Uh, I think too often people will tend to stick their head in the sand, uh, not only when things are going poorly, But when times are good, actually, uh, and when times are good is when you want to start developing resiliency skills, and it is a skill, so that when you take that concrete block to the face, uh, you're able to move through that adversity better than having that bad experience not happen to you, which is a little counterintuitive, um, but it's important to do if we want to actually reach our potential. So you talk about initially those fundamentals of fearless leadership, and you talk about courage, you talk about tenacity, and talk about integrity. Do you, I'd like to kind of go through each of those one at a time, but do you feel like those are things that are ingrained in you from a very early age, or those things that you can develop in your adulthood, and your career, you know, as, as you kind of walk through that? Can someone learn to be more courageous on the workplace? Absolutely. And and there are some of us who, who might have little aspects of each of these that are a little bit stronger than in somebody else. But to think that people who have accomplished what seems to be impossible, whether it's 
uh, flying fighters or being a special operator or being a really successful business owner or a leader in your church community or climbing a mountain, all all of the people who have achieved something that, that appears to be extraordinary have worked very, very hard uh, on the practice of becoming a better leader. It's not something that's just innate and that you show up awesome one day. So the very the very first uh, thing that I look at is the courage because it's the flip side of fear. So how do you, being that vital element in fearless leadership, if you can cultivate courage in yourself, then you'll have what it takes to see really what are limitless possibilities for your future. You can tamp down the voices telling you that you can't do it, uh, whether those might be internal or external voices. Um, and you can really come into your own as a fearless leader. So there's a part of this of that, that again, rooted in humility of developing kind of a why not me attitude and understanding that the first step in any leader's journey across the board is accepting the fact that, that you are worthy of being a leader. And you can start from where you are with what you've got and go where you want to go. All it takes is the courage to step up and take the opportunity when it comes along. Yeah, it, it, it's it's been said, you know, uh, uh, whatever, <laughs> I'm going to butcher, I always do, I always butcher, I always come up with a motto, I come up with a quote, and I don't always say it the correct way, but it's, uh, you know, half the, half the battle is just showing up, and sometimes you just show up, that's courageous in its own. Absolutely. And, and I think too often people tend to think that uh, somebody else is better resourced or they're just lucky or they have what I don't have. Or you can come up with this list of everything that you don't have that if you only had this one other thing that you'd be successful. But leadership skills are for everyone. They are for everyone. Leadership isn't an innate gift. Uh, it might come more naturally to some, but we're all leaders in some capacity. So no matter what our roles are in life, uh, we all are engaging in leadership every single day. But if you're not sure whether or not you have what it takes to step up and take on that maybe more formal role or the next level role, uh, the first step is going to have to be to stop doubting your st- yourself. Step up, take ownership, and take accountability. But that's scary, right? Yeah. And People don't like that. People don't want to feel scared or vulnerable. They want the guarantee. They want the certainty that, okay, if I throw my hat in the ring or if if I say what I really want and it feels risky, then I have to get it or I'm going to be embarrassed. Um, you know, that's that piece of as, as trite as it may sound or as cliche or Pinterest worthy of <laughs> get comfortable being uncomfortable it means you have to do it. You have to be able to confront that uncertainty and doubt and possibility of failure. And none of us like that. It's rarely a fun experience in the moment, uh, but it's that's what it takes to get to that next place. Yeah. That's a better and, place than where you are today. And, and you know, and, and that's a perfect lead into your second fundamental of fearless leadership, which is tenacity. There's so much, uh, there's so much research right now around grit, around what kind of mm. makes people keep coming back when they feel like they're just banging their head into a brick wall. And so if, if the first stage is, is showing up and, and not giving, uh, you know, not giving in and, and continuing to just, just be as fearless as you can walking in that door each day, the next piece is to not get discouraged. So what does tenacity mean to you and how do you harness that? Oh, gosh, I could talk about this piece all day because tenacity for me and and being gritty is not easy. 
and it, it's it's not easy, it's not comfortable. When the novelty of that first decision and that level of excitement of, you know, yeah, I'm gonna start my own company or woohoo for this diet or I'm so excited, I just got that manager role. When that wears off and suddenly it's no longer fun, that's when the drudgery and the challenge of sticking to it and that willingness to keep at it in any way, shape, or form possible really kicks in. So the one thing that I have found to be key to not only my success, but every single leader that I've either interviewed, talked to, or sat alongside trying to discover what has been their key to success is that they all have a bias for action. Mm. So I'll give you a quick example. Uh, I was doing strategic planning uh, at a company just several years ago, and there was one of the leaders got up and told everybody to dream big and we're gonna do big things and we're gonna you know, just crush our numbers. But then when everybody presented their plans, their kickoff plans, it was like, well, that's never gonna work. That's, that's too aspirational, which mm. is, crushing, right? Yeah. So the, you know, yes, dreaming big is great, but to achieve any goal in life, you are going to actually have to do big. And in order to do that, you have to get to the doing it part. The doing it comes first. So when you learn to take action in situations where you feel stuck or frustrated or intimidated, you increase your ability to get through those situations. And it doesn't have to be these big, hairy goals. We often leapfrog over the little steps that are actually the things that get us along that path. So developing that bias for action, I call it part of the 80% is good enough, right? 80% is good enough to achieve 100% of your goals. But the key is you have to take action. You have to be willing to go forward with good enough plans, good enough resources, good enough information, and then trust that you will figure it out. You know what I like about the the first two fundamentals is they're very visual. It's almost like uh, you know jumping off a cliff into a watering hole, right? You know, you, 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 the courage. People are going to see you do it, and if you if you do it again, they're going to see the tenacity. The third one is the one that people can often fake it for a while until you have a body of work. You don't really know. Um, what they're made up of. So you talk about the value of integrity as one of the, the fundamentals. So how is that something that, that you can fix? Uh, so I've got a really a two-part question for you. How do you grow integrity in your, your mind? And then also, let's just be very honest. Let's say there's some listeners out there today that may have, have had some missteps along the way. And how, how do you repair it if you've, you've shown people you don't have it or, or you misstepped? Okay. Two great questions, but I'm, I'm going to dovetail from something that you did just mention that until you have that body of work, uh, some people kind of fake it. I, and, and those might be combining two different ideas, but the one thing I personally, the one saying I do not ascribe to, and I actually, it makes my skin crawl when I hear people say it, is the fake it till you make it, mm. particularly for women, because I think that keeps you wrapped up and burdened with an imposter syndrome okay. uh, feeling. So I, the fake it till you make it, I think for women can act particularly can be exceptionally damaging. However, I think you do, again, going back to creating that body of work, have to have faith in the taking of small steps. 
Um, so just if, if you just continue to think, just, just have the bias for action and take small steps. And when it comes to the leading with integrity piece, boy, uh, you know, when you're, when you're committed to the mission, you must lead by example. And sometimes this is going to put you even in a position of extreme personal risk. And this is where the real true fear leadership comes into play. I don't care if you are working with one other person or two other people to or leading a team of 200 or 2000, your team is always watching vigilantly for cues as to what you expect of them. And when you lead with integrity, the message is clear. Your words and actions are the same, right? Like leading with integrity should be a short chapter, but unfortunately it feels like right now there's more gray area than there has been in the past. If you have made a mistake, the biggest thing you can say, and it was even part of our debriefs within the, within the military, you acknowledge your mistake and you say, I've made this mistake and I can fix it. Because then everybody at the table suddenly goes, oh, okay, well, the elephant in the room just showed up and now it's there. And if this person acknowledges it, then we don't have to be afraid of what comes next. So the, the, I made this mistake and I can fix it is very powerful. A couple of other things to keep in mind when leading with integrity, cutting corners never leads to excellence. Mm. I don't care who you are or what industry you are, are in are leading or are a part of cutting corners will never lead to excellence ever. It always catches up in some way, shape or form. So when, when you think about that, when you think about what is it going to take to be excellent, when you lead with integrity, the message is clear. Your words and actions are one and the same and you don't cut the corners. The other piece of this, and this probably leads into the culture, a culture piece is that Oftentimes, what I can say is that leaders try to demand loyalty, and they forget that it has to be earned. And there's a distinction there, because when you demand loyalty out of people, they might stay for a little while, but they're not going to stay for long. Yeah, and you know that that kind of touches on um, what I was saying about about integrity, and I appreciate your Mm -hmm. your pushback on that as well, because I think you know, just like you earn loyalty, you also show people through your actions that you have integrity because you continue to show up every day and you work um, in, in that, that mindset. So I appreciate the pushback on that. So let's talk about what's, what is what the most important thing for Ken Blanchard. He said at this point, uh, his legacy, what it, he wants it to be, is to be that of being a servant leader. And so a lot of what you talk about in terms of being, you know, fearless leadership in action is around, as you said, that servant leadership. So how do you set yourself up through vision, through, through culture? Um, how do you set yourself up to create that kind of servant leadership mindset? Wow. Yeah, there, there are a lot of pieces to that. But some of the pieces I think that we definitely overlook are that, you know, our people are everything. They are our everything. Try to say that three times. Well, that's kind of <laughs> tricky. Um, you know, and, and too often, uh, when we think about developing our teams or our leaders, you know, we, we skip over the part, we think that because we've told somebody that, okay, here's our mission statement, or here's our nice, fluffy, motivational HR poster, that 
people know what it is we're trying to do. And then we, there are gaps that develop. So what fearless leaders have to do day in and day out is to marshal their people and so that we're able to lead our team to a place better than where we began. And there's no question in my mind, a fearless leader begins the work of leadership with that bold vision. It is what fearless leaders do. Because a clear vision can both inspire and align your team. Because people need to understand where they fit and why they matter to the team, to the organization, to you as a manager, to you as a leader. And so as, as leaders, as I don't care if we're in the C-suite or in a managerial role or even in an individual contributor role or we're an entrepreneur, we need to be very clear, have clarity on what does success look like. Uh, on the aircraft carrier, when we had clarity of vision and purpose, we all knew what success looked like. And we understood the role that each of us played in making that a reality. So whether your team is launching airplanes or installing routers or switches and feeds, uh, selling toothpaste or essential oils, whatever the case may be, it's, it's really important and critical that you as a leader step up and provide that vision that empowers your team to achieve high performance. So in doing that, that also shifts the accountability piece to you that each and every one of us needs to own our role as a catalyst. Because uh, the first thing we realize as, as leaders really is that the vision starts with us, right? So you are the catalyst in the organization, no matter where you sit, even if you don't have a title. Uh, the person who steps up with a bold vision can change everything for the team, but you have to be able to put it out there. You have to be personally responsible for championing it and, and understand where your team is going. When you can do that, when you have clarity of purpose, when people understand what the vision is like, then it allows them to focus, and focus is power. Diluted focus will dilute your power. Mm -hmm. so, that, so that for any team, any organization, a vision must always come first, always. Or we end up you know, an inch deep and a mile wide. Um, so with that vision and when you're trying to serve other people to empower them to be able to achieve all that is possible for them, I really think one of the one of the most impactful questions that we need to be constantly asking our team is or even asking ourselves, or you can you can ask your teammates us, the people you lead, is do you agree or disagree with the question? Um, does somebody at work care about your development? Because with the vision, you hopefully have set up a good situation for excellence. But now it's going to be, are you developing your people? Are you developing them enough? Are you developing the talent, getting the right people in place that allows them to really go for it and achieve big wins and big goals? All right, so we just have time for a couple more questions. Oh, so fast. I know, I know. You've been a delight to talk to. Sorry. I appreciate it. And it's really funny because I was I was just going to fanboy on you and just talk about like missions and like things in the cockpit and things like that, but I don't think that would serve any of our listeners. It would just be for me. Um, but, <laughs> but, we'll, we'll have to do that a second one. We'll so do a second one. You know, you know I, I'm going to say one of my life's great regrets, and this is going to be totally in passing, I had to say no to a ride with the Blue Angels. Can you believe that? <gasps> 
okay, well, you must have had a really good reason because that is on my bucket list, but I haven't ever told anybody except for my husband because people are like, really? Why would you want to ride with him? And I'm like, are you kidding? Are you kidding me? So quick 45-second aside, because yes. I've said this a couple times, I used to work in at a television station, and as you know, whenever they do air shows at different bases, they do mm-hmm. ride-alongs with all the things. Yeah. Well, I go out there to to profile them and you know get shots of them looking handsome in their, in their uh, blue flight suits, and all, and all of a sudden I noticed one of my colleagues for the other station was in a flight suit and I go what's going on here and they said oh we're going up and I said oh I'm going up too and I went right to the PIO and I said no we're going up and uh, long story short the company I worked for had a policy against um, doing ride-alongs because of a very tragic accident that happened um, at at a different place but with a different flight crew Um, but yeah they wouldn't allow me and I that was the sad that remains to be one of the saddest days of my life because that would have been the coolest thing ever so wow was that was that a shift that has nothing to do with leadership but I just want to see if you know as people are listening they now they know more about me and also more about you you have flown some of the coolest jets ever but you would love to ride in the in the in the back with those guys yeah that makes me a little sad on the inside for you no because I would I just think it's a it's and it's fascinating because even I've brought my kids to air shows and of course I even know you know a lot of the blues uh their their demo and where things are happening and I still get caught off guard by it like I know certain things when when you know times when things are supposed to happen but I forget because I I get so wrapped up into it's just so amazing the performance the ability to have such tight alignment on on values and and all of that even when you're in the cockpit you're not thinking about those big ephemeral ideas you're just busy doing the work yeah so it's having that being able to kind of hop in and out the being in it in the 35,000 foot level as well understanding what does it take to actually drive that level of performance and when you can net that out and share that with other people, that's why it's so exciting. So uh, my wish for you is that you one day and and me, we both get rides with the Blue Angels. Uh, you know what? If I if I get a plus one, I'm calling you. Um, <laughs> I, but you know what? That actually opens it up very well, unplanned. But I could be pretty disheartened right now and pretty sad since I was. But so. What can I do to impact the fourth thing on your fearless leadership in action, which is resilience? How do you impact resilience? How do you keep coming back? How do you grow that? Wow. Okay. So we'll try to we'll try to bring that one closely together. The, so resilience <laughs> is is you know it's it's one of those things that again people think that the worst case scenario is never going to happen to them, and unfortunately, it is something that we all will experience at some time in our life. Our life's crucible, if you will. None of us get through this thing unscathed. So the one thing I try to share with people and and when I'm doing coaching or even with my kids is not in a Pollyanna-ish sort of way, but the understanding that adversity introduces you to yourself and that it's not going to go away anytime soon. So the faster we can build the ability to bounce back, it's actually one of the greatest predictors of long-term success and happiness. So a couple of key points in this when you're thinking about, okay, well, that's that's great, uh, but but what do I actually do? I've got what I say are seven steps, so I'll just go through them really quickly. Okay. So seven things, if you want to write them down on a piece of paper, put them on a sticky note, put them on your laptop, your dashboard, whatever the case may be. Uh, the first one is you have to reject 
victimhood. Uh, we're all going to deal with some sort of crushing loss at, at one time or another. It's easy to get discouraged and feel like this is always going to be this way. But the first step is rejecting victimhood. And we all suffer roadblocks, setbacks. We're all going to get stuck. Get over it. Stop feeling sorry for yourself because it is what it is right now. Don't let it turn you into a victim. So that's the first one. The second one is embrace change. Whatever happened has happened to you. It's it's done. So what are we going to do? The third thing is going to be focus on what matters. Okay, so we know what the situation is. Now what matters the most? Because we have to figure out, okay, where are we? You know, we'd always do, okay, you have your arms, your legs, your hands, or we're missing an arm, we're missing a foot, whatever. Okay, it is what it is. What do we do? What are the most important things? And then finding a wingman would be step number four. Find somebody you can talk to, get some sort of support, a group, a person, pet your dog if your dog's a wingman, but don't be afraid to pick up the phone. Don't just try to do this stuff via text. Uh, That's a really, really poor support uh, uh, piece of technology, actually. But pick up the phone and talk to somebody. Everybody needs support at some point. Everybody needs backup. Uh, The fifth thing is understanding what you can control. Don't waste your time and energy trying to change those things, really, that you have no ability to control. Uh, Too often, we'll get sucked into the negativity. It is soul-sucking. We try to change other people. Not going to happen. The sixth thing would be to try to learn from it. Try to figure out really quickly uh, what worked, what didn't, and how you can move forward. Uh, And then the seventh thing is take action. Uh, obviously a lot of this is about taking action to get through or get to something. When you look forward, when you can find those lessons learned and despite feeling maybe crushed, disheartened, dissatisfied, upset, even crushingly sad, do something, take an action, be really intentional about it, do one little step to move you forward. And the next thing you know, no different than those business goals or objectives, Uh, you will realize you have moved through a grieving process. Uh, Mm. It's not usually fast. It's not always fun. But in taking action, it allows you to feel like you have some semblance of control. And when you feel that, it allows you to start focusing on those things that matter, finding your humor again, and going forward anyway. Great tips. And as we do with, with all of the shows in our show notes, we'll list those out in case you're driving and hopefully not trying to take notes as you're going. Right. So <laughs> we're talking with Carrie Lorenz, the author of Fearless Leadership. And we just have time for just uh, just one last big question. Uh, um, and it, it, it simply is this, is, is you think about what we've talked about today, as you think about um, what you wanted to get across with, with this book, you know, what is the one final thing that, that you want to share with our listeners today? So fearless leadership is really, uh, it's, it's about that difference between creating the life, the organization, or the team that you want and settling. So no matter where you are in your leadership journey or your life path, risk more, worry less, and don't settle. Just take action. Bold, fearless action drives success. Love it. Love it. So if people want to dig a little bit deeper into you, obviously they know they can pick up the book Fearless Leadership. Um, but if they wanted to find you, where would you send them either online or elsewhere uh, to learn a little bit more about Carrie Lorenz? 
Uh, they can take a peek at my website, which is carrylorenz.com. Uh, I dabble a little bit on Twitter and Instagram, particularly Instagram stories, because low commitment level, you see what I'm doing, but it's gone in 24 hours. <laughs> and it's the best thing because you just hit publish and it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, if the people will be engaged or not. But I like that. I like that. And, and it keeps you going. So we'll make sure we'll post this on, on our Instagram stories as well and tag you so we can help clog up your feet as well. Gary, thank, thank you. you so much much for your time today. It has been a thrill to talk to you and and I uh, really appreciate your time, your insights, and also your service to our country. Oh, it was a privilege and I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed Chad's interview with Kerry Lorenz talking about her book, Fearless Leadership. I think this is such an important book for so many people because as she says, People are reluctant to step into leadership positions. And it's interesting, when I'm doing a session with people, I very often start off and say, how many of you think you're leaders? And these are all managers uh, there. And, and less than 10, 15% of them raise their hands. And uh, what I realize is people think that leadership is about having some position, particularly a high-level position. So if I'm not high enough up there, I don't think I'm a leader. Yet the reality is you are a leader in so many aspects of your life because leadership is an influence process. Anytime you attempt to influence the thinking, the beliefs, or the behavior of somebody else, you're engaging in leadership. Now, aren't you trying to do that? See, you are a leader as a friend. You are a leader as a parent. You are a leader as a spouse. You are a leader as a neighbor. Uh, you are a leader in your organization. And what, what Kerry's saying is you got to have, first of all, the courage to step up and seize the moment and become that, that leader. And then once you have that, then you have to have the tenacity to hang in there, <laughs> you know, and, and make it happen step by step. And finally, she talks about integrity with integrity, what she's really saying is you got to be careful because everybody's watching you. You got to walk your talk. And so uh, I just love that. And then she starts talking about servant leadership and that it all begins with a vision and people need to know where they're going. And once the people know where they're going, then your job is to develop them so that they can accomplish the goal, so they can live according to the, to the vision. And uh, so that, that's it's really such great stuff. Uh, and then she has a, a brilliant thing at the end about uh, the whole thing of resilience. And, you know, how do you deal with the ups and downs of leadership? Because they're going to happen to you. So I want to tell you, listen to this tape again. Share it with other people, particularly new leaders. 
Uh, and but, but I think people have been around for a long time because you want to become a fearless leader because what? You are a leader. You, the only way you get out of being a leadership in a leadership position is to be on an island all by yourself. <laughs> so love it, Chad. And Carrie, you're the best. God bless. God bless.